Welcome to To The Point Cybersecurity Podcast. Each week, join Eric Trexler and Rachel Lyon to explore the latest in global cybersecurity news, trending topics, and industry transformation initiatives impacting governments, enterprises, and our way of life. Now, let's get to the point. Hello, everyone. Welcome to To The Point. I'm Rachel Lyon, here as always with host Eric Trexler. Happy Friday afternoon, Eric. How you doing? It is a Friday, Rachel. I'm doing yes. well. It's good to be together. You know, I was thinking about our our planning meeting on the podcast from yesterday, I think. Yes. And I'm still very frustrated that the podcast world doesn't give you really good customer data on what customers like or don't like, you know, feedback. It's really hard to get feedback. So I wanted to do something crazy and throw my email address out there. If anybody oh. has a uh, words of wisdom or they want to just poke fun at us or bash us or whatever, eric.trexler at forcepointgov.com. If you put podcast in the link, that'd be great. Let me know. It's not work related necessarily, but uh, we'd love your feedback. What do you like? What do you dislike? And uh, enough of that, I guess, commercial-wise, but Rachel, it's just been eating at me. Like, I, I want to know what our customers want or our consumers of the podcast. Yes. Well, exactly. Anyway. I mean, feedback is nice. And, you know, it's it's how we get better and, and bring on, you know, more and more interesting guests like our guest today, Lalisha Hurt. Oh, I can't wait. Oh, say, I, I spoke over you. Say it again. <laughs> so today we have with us Lalisha Hurt. She is the Deputy Chief Information Security Officer for General Dynamics Information Technology, and she's self-described Cyber Wonder Warrior, which I can't wait for us to talk about. Welcome to the podcast, Lalisha. Thank you. I appreciate you guys having me today. I am super excited to join the podcast that I heard so much about from other cyber wonder warriors in the industry. So I appreciate you all having me today as a guest. Lilisha, I've got to kick it off. I mean, you, you've, you've thrown it out there. A <laughs> cyber wonder warrior. Talk to me. I've got visions of Wonder Woman in my mind and not 1984, which was not my best Wonder Woman movie. What, what, what do you, what do you mean there? So you gave it away, Eric. So uh -oh. interesting. No one has ever asked me to define that before, but it's something I actually picked up from a woman in information security, risk management and privacy conference a couple of years back. And it was so impactful for me to be in the midst of other female cyber leaders across the globe. Um, and so during a networking and social event, we were challenged to dress up as our favorite superhero. And surprisingly, or maybe not surprisingly, the mass majority of attendees, including myself, showed up as a Wonder Woman, which was it. quite comical, yet it was also empowering. And so for me, that term was birthed during that event when the speaker said, look at all of the cyber Wonder Warriors who decided to join Love us this. today. Um, so if awesome. I had to define it right in my own words, based on that experience and that experience alone, I would say... You know, a cyber wonder warrior is a female with cyber superhuman powers accountable <laughs> for building more cyber wonder warriors. Do you have a lasso? Did you have a lasso when you went? I did. I did. Awesome. I had the whole get up. You can't be wonder warrior without it. Okay. Small aside. How many cat women showed up? Uh, is she even a superhero? Is she even a superhero? Be, yeah, I didn't notice. It was just so it was like a thousand or so folks there. And I would say like 80, 90 percent showed up. She might be a villain. Impossibly. Okay. 
That is, that is awesome. I, I you know, the, <laughs> in my mind, you're like, you're, you're putting a visual, you're putting a visual effect with it, with a concept and, and, and making it more tangible for people. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So impactful. So and impactful. It, the and, image still stands out in my mind today. So. And I love that you guys got dressed up. There's never enough times to, to have a, a costume on. Um, yeah. And, you know, represent what inspires you. So Eric, we should do I, a costume podcast. At exactly. Some point, exactly. We were, we were also bouncing around Lelisha, you know, if, uh, I don't know if you've uh, watched the hot ones on YouTube where they, they have the, um, the hot wings that get increasingly hotter throughout. Mm-hmm. And we thought maybe we'll try that, you know, one time. Not not for you, though, unfortunately. Um, but uh, <laughs> it gets pretty intense, as you can imagine. <laughs> oh, yeah. Definitely. Um, I'm sure so, you get enough hot ones in cyber where you're like, oh, I've got to deal with that today or the new attack or the- Sizzling hot the right board now. calling you and saying, yeah, yeah, you probably get enough of that. <laughs> So uh, getting back on track, of course, though, Sorry. Um, you know, it's you've really had a great career, Lelisha. I mean, Ernst & Young, Federal Reserve Bank, General Electric. Um, you know, what made you want to pivot to a public sector focused position at GDIT? Yeah, so I think it's a great question. I've definitely been around the block here for quite some time. Most of those companies are in Richmond, which is where I'm based. Um, But I do think the pivot at the time for me was really more about alignment than it was about the sector. Um, I was at a very significant crossroad in my career journey where alignment to purpose and alignment to mission were paramount for me. Um, And so I read a quote the other day that said, you know, the two most important moments in a person's life are the day you're born and the day you found out why. And so that really resonated with me when I read the quote. And when I think back to that pivotal moment, you know, personally and professionally, I wanted that greater alignment at the time. And um, GDIT was the company that provided that. Um, So the ability to tap into over, you know, 30,000 everyday heroes that are aligned to some of the most complex government, defense, and intelligence projects across the country was truly fascinating to me. Um, we offer you know, technology transformation, strategy, and mission-critical services across various platforms, with cyber being the single thread that's really interwoven into everything we do. Um, and so not only is that exciting and rewarding for any cyber leader to hear, It's also purposeful, right? When you look at some of the market sectors we support that relate to um, civilian health and medical research and supply chain management, all of which are are definitely top of mind for us right now. Lilisha, I find that fascinating. We're spending a lot of time internally with our employees on, on, you know, what is the purpose? What is your aspirational goal? Like, why do you do this? Because a lot of people just look at it as I've got a job. I've got a salary, I do my job, then I go do something else. But I really do believe you've got to have a purpose. Yeah. You, you've, you've got to have a driving force that says, this is why I get up and I work and 110% every day. I actually believe as we look to bring more, more women, especially into cyber, that purpose is so important. It's yes. not just a job, right? Giving them a, re- like, what are we trying to accomplish here makes people want to do something. Especially when it's hard. Agree? Absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, mission is important, but honestly, for me, it's it's the people, right? Mm -hmm. And 
I really thrive off of the ability to be able to develop and grow and cultivate, you know, a high performing team environment. Right. And truly, you know, developing that workforce um, that's diverse and that's aligned to that mission. And really, regardless of what company I work for or with, that's always the center of, you know, my purpose, the mission and the people that, you know, I lead and serve. So really, it's not just serving the government or serving the country. It's it's really whatever you're doing, you've got to have a purpose you believe in Absolutely. That, that drives you to excel every day. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And that's for Love me. That. Right. And I know it's different for other people. But for me, every role that I've taken, that's really been the center of focus. Right. For me. Yeah, particularly in a in an in an industry where there's there's no easy path. You know what I mean? Like we're never going to have this, you know, fresh baked one size fits all answer. Um, you know, and I think that in some ways it helps you bond with your teams uh, mm-hmm. as well. You know, because we're like we're in the trenches together, and we're going to get through this. And you know, you're always having to learn and challenge yourself. And that's what I really love about cyber. Um, and you know, I really love too that you've been such a champion um, for diversity and STEM and cyber fields. We talk about that a lot here. Um, you know, because we we definitely can use more diversity in cyber, and of course, you know, diversity in thought um, could really help. You know innovate, right? New, new cybersecurity solutions or new, new paths forward to help us, you know, hopefully one day get ahead of the threat. Um, I would love to know more about the organizations you've been involved with because you've been doing a lot of work here. Yeah. And Rachel, I love your choice of words here, right? Outspoken champion, diversity and STEM and cyber fields. You know, you really make what I do sound exciting and engaging. And so, um, you know, in addition to like family, as I mentioned, you know, driving that organization and industry change to be an advocate for more diverse thought, perspective and equity is, is truly what gets me out of the bed each morning. Um, one of the best parts of my role, hands down, is working with organizations such as Girls Who Code, yes. Black Girls Who Code, Cyber.org, um, Executive Women's Forum, National Black Society of Engineers, RVA wow. Tech, right? The list goes long, wow. but really, you know, it's it's our role to increase, you know, STEM awareness at the K through 12, the college, yes. and even professional level, which has really resulted in a strong cyber pipeline for us. Oh, um, this year in particular, right, I'm excited to co-lead GIT's annual Women in Tech Conference in October to really continue that mission and advocacy in the space, especially for women in cyber. Um, additionally, we have strong alliances, right, with university and colleges in Louisiana and Virginia, for example, where GDAT partners to help shape the cyber curriculum, right? right. And that leads to, you know, those internship opportunities yes. and ultimately, you know, those full-time roles with organizations. And so just to put this into perspective a bit, you know, despite a competitive job market, you know, last year we saw about 300 percent growth on our team. Mm -hmm. And I really attribute that to, you know, our intentional efforts and commitments to attracting, building and retaining that diverse workforce. So it it helps you in hiring. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, mean, that is the challenge in the industry where depending on whose data you look at, we're one to I think four million jobs behind at this point where we have wow. the jobs, but we don't have the, the employees, the talent to fill them. So it gives you an advantage is what I'm hearing you say. Absolutely. I think it's, it's our partnerships really, you know, have served us well in that market. Right. And um, sometimes you just have to go where the talent is, right. Meet them where they are. 
and, you know, help colleges, organizations, right, with their curriculum and their programs, increase that awareness, right, to, to get that pipeline moving. How do you how do you split up your time? I, I always I have all these aspirational goals to to reach out. And if, if somebody calls me, I make time for them right. almost always. But it's I, I find it so hard to get out of the day to day running of the business you know, the checklist, the, the the list of activities you have to do, your own employees itself just consumes you sometimes in my world. Yeah. How do, how do you, how do you like draw that line and say, okay, this is how much time I'm going to spend here. or This is more important. I am going to make this important and do it. I'd love a technique or two because I'm yeah, not I'm good at work- it. Yeah. I'm still working through this, Eric, myself. Right. But I do have pretty much divided my time amongst various areas, right? And those typically don't change. They're constant, right? They're your team, your people, right? Right. On your team, you're your customer, right? Mm-hmm. I carve out time for strategy, right? And then of course I carve out time for myself. And right, and I think that's where people forget to put in time for themselves. Okay. Um, and so typically those stay the same. And I can't say that every week or every month it's the same percentage. Sometimes I shift. Right. Right. But um, making sure I carve out dedicated time in my schedule. Right. It's really simple. Blocking out time. I'm going to focus on strategy. Right. On Fridays, I focus on people. Right. Mm -hmm. I join um, um, podcasts like this one. I do outreach. I reach out and do work with some of these organizations. Right. It's just really being intentional around where you want to spend your time. And pretty much every day, all day is customers, right? Um, and so I make sure I am listening to their feedback, understanding their needs as well, um, and really trying to balance and juggle all those things. But I also carve out time for myself, right? And I know that goes without saying, but in order to be a leader, you have to find time to recharge. You have to find time to hit the reset button so that you can be 100% for all those other areas. And so... I know this sounds silly, but I, you know, do bike rides during the day. I I do yoga in the morning before I start my day. I intentionally carve out breakfast, lunch, and dinner with my family, right? I mean, so small things, I know they sound simple, but they truly, truly make a difference in how we show up for all the other areas of of our focus. Rachel, how do you do in that category? I'm I'm just, I'm so glad you said that because it's, you know, in the cyber industry, it's really intense, right? And and I think I've seen stats somewhere. You know, the the average CISO tenure is what eighteen months, or mm-hmm. you know, it's 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 high burnout rate. And and I think a lot of it is because, you know, it's 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 a problem we can't solve, but it's a mission that you're just so passionate about. You're like, in a, you know, if I could just work, you know, a few more hours, I could, you know, I could get this thing done. Um, you know, but then we realize you burn out and, and then that's not really much of a help either. And, and I love that you just, you know, you're saying take time for yourself because it's something I have to remind myself to do. I got a Peloton and I just look at it. I haven't, I've ridden it like four times in the last year, you know, <laughs> so. That is so awesome that you have one. Mine is coming next week. I'm super excited about it. So we'll have to connect and see I if we're taking that. the same classes or not. Yes. <laughs> It's so easy to use. I love it. And you have so much variety and you know, especially for folks who've been out of the gym for five years like me. So uh, nice trying to get back into it. But have you ever ridden in costume, Rachel? Um, <laughs> you know, that's a great question, Eric. I don't think I have. It's Opportunity. It's knocking. <laughs> 
I love it. You guys got to send pictures if you do that, Rachel. <laughs> that would be amazing. And you yes. know what? I actually do think I have a Wonder Woman costume that I've had for a few years that I could dig it out. That could do be you? Great. I believe I do. Yeah, it had there like the, the boots and everything. It was amazing. Another Cyber yeah. Wonder Warrior. <laughs> <laughs> you can come over too, Eric. You know, you could be a Wonder Warrior if you want hey, to. Hey, I'm, I'm game. I'm costume ready. <laughs> So, um, good to, again, get back on track. It's a fun Friday afternoon here for us. Um, you know, it's, I, I'm curious in your perspective here, you know, you're hearing a lot about zero trust, right? Um, particularly in the last year, um, you know, and people working remotely, um, you know, then you see these things like the solar winds attack, um, which was very, very aggressive and broad in scope, um, you know, and, and then we're also seeing these like ransomware, um, you know, $50 million ransomware, um, you know, exploits that are just mind boggling. And so, you know, no wonder zero trust has, has become, you know, kind of a, a big thing, but, you know, I mean, how, what's your point? How, what do you think about zero trust? I mean, like, why, why do you think we need to accelerate it? Yeah, it's a great question. And I heard from a little birdie, Rachel, this is your favorite topic followed <laughs> by cloud. So definitely interested in your perspectives here as well. Um, but yeah, we've been talking about zero trust for quite some time now. And the yeah. reality is, you know, this past year alone has shown us that accelerating implementation, not only for government agencies, but really for all of us is so critical to the success of how we deliver and how we show up for our customers. Um, we rely obviously on technology for everything we do, whether it's interconnected applications or cloud technologies or our mobile devices. People are now accessing IT resources and data from their homes. And so implementing that never trust, always verify principle has to be you know, part of the overall cyber strategy going forward if we want to continue to deliver the mission success for the business. And I definitely agree it's, it's accelerated. Do you feel that when you talk zero trust, a lot of people know what it really means? I mean, we've seen, in my experience, the Navy has its zero trust strategy. The Air Force does. You know, NIST has its guidelines. I think ACT IAC put some, put some stuff out a couple years ago. Every customer seems to have a different slant on it. And I, mm -hmm. I, I tend to sit back, Lilish, and wait and say, so help me understand what you mean by zero trust and wait for them to articulate it because it's very different to some people. Right. Yeah. And I think I think I think the, the thing that I hear a lot and the, the misconception here is people like to think zero trust is a technology or a product when really it's a strategy yes. or a principle, right? And, Absolutely. And, and we typically align to NIST, right? They give you really good guidelines. And of course, followed by the strategy is the implementation, which includes the products and technology. But I hear a lot of people talk about zero trust and they lead with technology and products, but it's basically that principle. And I like to use it. It's like before you connect to any network or device, we need to verify and validate you. It's that simple. Right. Um, and so I think if you start there with the strategy, the principle, and then you start to pull back the onion and say, OK, how are we going to achieve this? And the how, to your point, Eric, may look different across companies, may mm -hmm. look different across industries. Right. And so I think that's where maybe it might get a little bit different in, in terms of implementation approaches. 
and methodology depending upon the how. And there's a couple ways you can obviously do that. Yeah, no, I, I see a tremendous variety of interpretation and, and situations to your point where customers are just in different phases of their evolution. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, I think, you know, part of it, the other piece of, you know, cyber that I'm really fascinated with is, you know, how do you get rid of the friction, however, right? You know, and, and I think that's, you know, we look at innovation and kind of where, where cyber can go. Like I envision this world of cyber ubiquity, you know, it just works and I don't have to come up with janky workarounds to do my job. And, you know, and by the way, our, our CTO was giving me a workaround, Eric, for uh, getting on teams. <laughs> Meaning you hadn't gotten on teams yet and they wanted well, you to, you know, or? on the, you know, on the, on the gov team site, you know, there's a way around where I can get to it. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> Let's go back to it's supposed oh, to just work. You yeah, right? yeah, exactly. It's supposed to just work. <laughs> like um, electric. You know, it, but but I think that opens the door for innovation. I mean, there's so many little areas where we can improve the user experience. I mean, I, I'd be interested in your perspective there. You know, how, how do we make it better for the end user? What does that look like? I, I, yeah, that's a great question. I think we have to acknowledge, right, that zero trust is definitely playing a critical role in our new normal, right? And it has to. I think we all recall that day when agencies had to, within a week, right, shift their workforce to remote, yeah. all while dealing with cyber threats. And it was indeed a disruptor for many, right? You mentioned friction. It's a disruptor, right? And in some cases, right, there were data overloads, increased use of VPNs and resource utilizations issues, right? And with any IT digital modernization or big organizational shift, right, such as the one we all experienced last year, I think there's always going to be growing pains with that, right? Um, But if we fast forward to where we are today, I think we can all agree that, you know, our employees can essentially work anywhere as long as there is a zero trust strategy in place to enable that business, right? Um, And I think we learned a lot this year. And I think we have celebrated, to my point, a lot in the innovation space mm-hmm. um, as a result, definitely in the cyber world. Um, and even we see that in the government agencies just to be able to respond um, to what's happening around us. Were you surprised at how quickly government agencies were able to pivot? We're, we're really talking like March 16th of 2020, right? When they started to say, OK, we have a problem we need to deal with. But, but Lilisha, were you surprised at how quickly government agencies were able to pivot? I mean, you expect that from the banks and, and others, but state and local governments, federal governments, smaller organizations who aren't prepared, maybe they don't even have VPN or the concept of work from home. Thoughts? I would use the word impressed, right? I don't know okay. that I was surprised, but I was really impressed, right? Because a lot has to go into making this happen, right? Like exactly. you know, alone for, for GDAT, we have over 30,000 employees. So shifting them home was not an easy task, but we were able to do it. But I do think we were prepared for it. Um, I think in some cases we had the technology to support it. And in some cases we didn't, but we quickly partnered with the right folks to help us get there, right? And I know a lot of folks in the government agencies reached out to us to help us accelerate and so it was really an impressive, I would say, collaboration and partnership um, to be able to make that happen, right? I mean, the collaboration tools, the platforms that we're using were rolled out instantaneously, right, um, to be able to support the remote workforce. 
Um, but not surprised, but I was impressed. But I think it just goes to show that if you partner and work across industries, across technology partners, it's amazing what we can do, right, in, in, in difficult times together. Yeah, let the record state, I was, I was surprised. I was blown away yeah. and then impressed and then almost yeah. encouraged that, you know, I'll just speak to America, not the globe, but even the world. People could come together with hard problems like that and solve them very yeah. quickly and get right. economies back together, businesses with lots of challenges, obviously. Right. But I mean, think about everything that was happening and how organizations just figured it out. I, I right. was very encouraged, but I was surprised. Yeah, I think a lot of people were, right? Quite honestly, and I think being in the cyber world and working a lot with these government agencies, I'm aware of the capabilities we have, right? Um, and I think this this um, pandemic, which I like to call an opportunity, just brought it out for everyone to see. So super impressive um, joint effort, I would say, across the board, to your point, Eric. It's interesting, you know, and, and I think we see this a lot in, in the U.S., probably everywhere, but the forcing function, right? It's, um, you know, when something kind of catastrophic happens, then we then we pay attention to it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and then I, I believe like cybersecurity spending was up last year, I think, what, 20 percent mm -hmm. or, right. you know, some really healthy margins because, you know, you had to address these these issues. Hold on, um, hold on. I'll speak for the vendor community. Healthy market. I don't think most people improve their margins, but the market was healthy. We, oh, I don't want people okay. to pr pretend like there's profiteering going on. I <laughs> no, mean, no, not at all. But I mean, yeah. like, you know, security teams, you know, yeah. they, they were getting, you know, additional dollars because they needed them, you know, to accelerate to the cloud so that they could support this remote workforce. And it's, it's just interesting, you know, we always kind of talk about, you know, the bottom falling out and, you know, when are we going to try to, you know, start investing in infrastructure and, and all of these other things. And it's, I think to your point, Lalisha, it's, it is a great opportunity because we saw, you know, just what we can get done and, and, and how quickly we can get done when you have to. Um, you know, and I always almost wonder, do we need to keep that mindset so that we can kind of continue moving forward in cyber to get ahead of the threat? I mean, uh, or as we like to say, left of loss. Oh, I like that. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so and I think um, what is it? Biden has an executive order coming up soon, um, you know, that may touch on some of this. In terms of uh, notifications and breach disclosures, um, mm -hmm. but also I think looking at maybe investments for infrastructure, or maybe I'm thinking of that Chris Krebs op-ed in The Hill, where he was talking about investing in digital infrastructure. Well, they're definitely going to. But I, I, th yeah. I think one of the things we've seen, and Lilisha, I'd, I'd love to hear your perspective on this, the pandemic forced us to focus. You know, I, I do a lot of thinking and studying and reading around management and and, and practices, but it really forced us and gave us the excuse almost in some cases to say no to things. You mm -hmm. could, you could go to somebody else in the business and say, I can't help you right now. Yeah. I must do X because of COVID-19, because of the pandemic, but it really allowed us to focus on what we need to do, deprioritize totally mm -hmm. what we just can't do. And I think there's a lesson in there that prioritization component allows you to really get stuff done where we just get overwhelmed. I know I do right. overwhelmed yeah. with the noise and the waves just hitting you all day long. Everybody's asking for things. It was easier to say, 
this is my mission. And people respected that. Lelisha, I, I don't know if you saw that. No, I totally agree. Let me tell you, Eric, I was one of the ones that had this nice, pretty bow on my strategy that I put together last <laughs> year, right? That all these great things that I'm going to do in 2021. And, and I can tell you, I don't, know where that stra- I don't know where that strategy <laughs> is right now, right? Because as you said, it forced us to focus on the mission. Like some of our customers, right, came to us asking for assistance with this global pandemic, right? And we stopped, dropped everything, rightfully so, to support the customers, but also support the greater mission, right? And so I would love to find where my strategy that I put together last year is for this year, just just for a good laugh, because as you mentioned, a lot of things that were on that list are probably at the bottom of the list because, you know, moving the workforce home safely was priority number one, followed by supporting, you know, some of the vaccine efforts that are underway now was, you know, right up there as well. So um, I think I'm going to go try to find that, Eric, just so I can see what I was supposed to do this year and compare it to what I'm actually doing this year. I think that would be a really perspective to have, right, of how things can change and how you have to be flexible enough to respond to what top priority at the time. I love it. Yeah. Prioritization, something I struggle yeah. with sometimes. Yes. It's hard I, to I say would, no. I would argue even when you're not forced to prioritize, if you can force yourself to prioritize, yes. y- you can see how you can, once, once you focus a team or a work stream on something, you can get a lot done. So much. You yes. become so efficient. Yeah. 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 Something to work on one of these days. Yeah, I'm so work in progress. It. Exactly. <laughs> I, need, I need to prioritize my my to-do list for my personal life and, <laughs> and my professional life with all these great, great ideas. Just, you know, and Eric, you and I have talked about this too. I mean, it's, again, taking that time out, just having time to kind of enjoy the moment. And, um, you know, because we are moving so quickly. And it's amazing if you could just take that little bit of time out, how, how much more focus you can get. Um, yeah, and I mean, sometimes I envision, I'm a, I'm a photographer on the side for fun only, not business purposes, but the idea of a snapshot allows me to capture a moment. Like I can look at the photography on my wall and I know exactly where mm-hmm. I was and, and the time frame and who I was with and what I was doing. It's like a reminder. And almost if you can step back, Rachel, and, and, and take that moment to appreciate it and just capture that picture in your eye, mm-hmm. in your mind, really you can appreciate all that we accomplished last year and all the good that came out of a really pretty crappy year. Yeah. 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 So Lilisha, you know, COVID-19 pandemic, we had, we had the, uh, the, the uh, solar winds, you know, call it what you holiday bear, whatever we want to call it again, (laughs) attack in in December opened up. Like what was the biggest thing you thought about? I mean, it was a pretty tough year. Like, what was the biggest surprise or, I mean, like, what did you, biggest learning maybe from, from a rough year that you observed? As it relates to solar winds or just No, just in, just general? in general, in, in the, in the world of InfoSec, mm-hmm. maybe something, you, you talked about the strategy you had in January coming into the year, or maybe prior to January, coming into 2020. The whole world gets shaken up. You go into emergency operations mode with your team. You're doing great work. 
but any great learnings or, or wow, I'd never thought I'd experience that. Or boy, if I only knew that you'd share yeah. with our audience. Yeah, I'll give you a personal response and then a professional one. So cool. pers- personally, I, um, it forced me to carve out time for myself, right? Like we're at home. I think for me personally, I didn't realize that I could, you know, hike as far as I could. I didn't think I could bike as far as I could. I didn't think I could put together puzzles. And I, I learned a lot about, you know, my family and my friends were spending all this intimate time together that, you know, I think we might have taken for granted collectively. Right. I mean, I traveled at the time pre-COVID probably 40, 50 percent of the time. Everything was hustle, bustle, move fast. Mm -hmm. And to your point about being a photographer, I don't know that I necessarily paused to capture all of those moments. So personally, it forced me to slow down and appreciate those moments. And it's something Mm -hmm. that I plan to continue Um, so that was really aha for me personally, professionally. I don't know that I realized the true value that collaboration connection can have on an organization and on a team. What do you mean by by that? that, Yeah. yeah, And by that, I mean, right. Again, I think we took for granted the fact that we were in an office. We had water cooler talk. We right. were doing happy hours and dinners. And, you know, that teaming really had a big part on productivity and um, people feeling connected, people feeling a part of the, the larger, you know, mission and purpose. And I think what I learned is we had to get creative mm-hmm. and innovative of how we do that now in a remote environment. And I think the big aha for me is I am super impressed with how creative people can get, right, to keep people connected, whether it's at work or whether it's at home, right? People are doing virtual workout sessions. People are doing virtual happy hours at work, right? Like people are getting really, you know, creative. And I know we're all probably fatigued with Zoom and and some of the collaboration tools, but I, I don't think we truly understood the impact it can have on people, not being in the office or not feeling connected or not having those, you know, impromptu, you know, hey, let's go grab grab a beverage right after work or um, and I think people miss that. Yeah, right. And definitely. I think I think people are, 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 are aggressively and anxiously looking forward to the day that we can do that again. And, and while we're still being productive, I do see a big impact on people that that are missing that currently. We, yeah. we came together as a, as a leadership team this past Monday. So it's been about 13 and a half, 14 months since we got together. Um, a, a small group of us vaccinated wore masks and everything mm-hmm. in person, though. And it was really, really good. I, I, I savored as much of the moments as I could to be working together. The you could see some of the the old habits or or uh, benefits maybe of being in person just just as mm-hmm. societies as 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 people have to interrelate it's it's just it was interesting to watch and now that we have a year of Zoom where we can compare and contrast or teams or or whatever it may be um, it was really interesting but then 
it was also tiring. We were using different mm -hmm. muscles that we haven't used yeah. for a year. <laughs> Absolutely. And we had meetings, you know, we had sessions that would go an hour and a half, an hour and 45 minutes. And even though you're Zooming all day long, you got tired. Like you yeah. just wanted mm -hmm. to get up and move or go to the bathroom or get a drink or just task switch for a second. And it was, it was really interesting, but it was, it was good to get back and to your point, really, really connect in person. Mm -hmm. Even even though I, I think a lot of people have done really well connecting, you know, virtually, um, it's still good to see people. I mean, at the end of the it day, is. we're all yeah. people and we're all here for, you know, a purpose, but but it's easier to work with people and, and build relationships in person. Absolutely. I think that's a great point, Eric. And good for you guys for being able to do that. I think we're working on that as well. Um, and I'm interested to see the dynamics to your point, right, of having to go through the motions of getting dressed and, and commuting in and, 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 and sitting through and, and, you know, connecting with your colleagues. It'll be different, right, for us, I think, yeah. to your point. And so I'm interested to see how that unfolds. But good for you all. That's awesome. Yeah. I don't know if I could wear dress shoes anymore. I've been in flip flops <laughs> for the last year. I'm myself. barefoot right now. <laughs> But I do have pants on, but I'm barefoot. <laughs> so I, I hear you, Rachel. That's what makes you know, me nervous, I'll tell you yeah. an observation was, and, and we're a tight senior management team, uh, but people definitely dressed down mm -hmm. compared to what we did in the past, right? It was, it right. was all jeans. Um, you know, I didn't even wear, did I wear, I wore a polo one day, a button down the other. I mean, it wasn't, and I was probably the more formal dress, formally dressed with the button down on. So things have changed. We will, we will see significant change in addition to people not wanting to be in the office all the time, but we'll see some change. Um, Agree. That's exciting though. I mean, I, I think we need change in the work environment. You know, I mean, for so long, you know, I remember working at a very large technology company, um, you know, that built their business on the internet. Um, and ironically enough, you know, they wouldn't let you work like telework. It wasn't an option, you right. know, and, and I'm like, I'm always traveling like to New York City, like literally on a plane constantly going back to New York. Let me just work from New York. Right. No, not an option. And, and now flash forward and, you know, the government's teleworking, which you would never have imagined, which also opens the door for all of these, you know, great new talent that you could source from different states that maybe don't want to live in D.C. or, you know, the Virginia area. And I, I like that. We needed to shake up the business environment. It's time. It was really time. I don't know. I have a lot of employees that are moving to remote parts of the country. And I'm just looking at the operational expense challenges, the travel challenges on that. And I'm like, oh, maybe I'm just old school, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I'd, I think uh, quality of life and, you know, I will say, to, you know, working from home and Lalisha, tell me if you feel the same way. I'd, you know, it's, I can actually do laundry during the week. You know, if I have like a lunch break between meetings, I can do laundry. Whereas before, because I'm in the office so many hours, I mean, you're a hard worker too, Eric. You know, I'd have to save all of my chores for the weekend, you know, and then that's all you do is kind of go to the grocery store, do your laundry and do all those things instead of actually having some real downtime. So saving on that commute time has been, I think, for quality of life has been fantastic. Yeah, I agree. I think we polled some folks as well. I think I've seen some studies out there um, where people actually appreciate that flexibility, right, um, to be able to flex their time or, you know, have those options where, 
you know, if you start your day early, you can work in some 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 things that you need to get done and then hop on later. I think that for people um, has been, you know, top of mind. Right. And especially for those that, you know, have children that they're homeschooling, homeschooling, mm-hmm. that flexibility is 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 so necessary in that work day um, for those that are working from home. Well, that should theoretically that will open up opportunity for a lot of people who didn't have childcare or mm-hmm. had to live somewhere because of a, a, a child had to go to a special school or their spouse had a job somewhere and they didn't have that flexibility where they can come into the workforce. So bring it full yeah. circle back. Hopefully that allows that diversity of, of employment, which leads to the diversity of thought because we'll, we'll engage more of the workforce or potential Absolutely. workforce. Yeah. yeah, and I think from a hiring perspective, it opens up more doors too yes. for companies to be able to hire and location may not be an issue, right? Folks don't have to uproot their families and, you know, relocate to a totally different state. They can do exactly what what they need to do from wherever they are. And so for us, I think we're seeing, you know, a greater pipeline now um, that we're able to reach out to where people are and, and have them join as long as they have internet connection and, uh-huh. and, and laptop and equipment, you can be successful anywhere. Yeah. I'm definitely rethinking my hiring profiles with my teams. Yeah. Like what, you know, because the traveling expense may be higher, but how do we compensate? Do we get a better quality of workforce? Do we have happier employees, which lead to more productive employees? There, right. there are a lot of variables and you know, I don't know what the answers are, but we'll figure them out over time. Well, I will say I do have an opening on my team, Eric, and it can be remote. So if anybody's interested. <laughs> oh, are they recruiting Lilisha or, or myself? I mean, I do have a bachelor's of science in marketing. <laughs> Shameless plug, shameless plug. Okay, so I know we've we've kind of run long today. It's been so much fun talking to you, Lalisha. I just want to wrap up with, you know, kind of my, my favorite question now. You know, the cyber path ahead. Optimism or no? Oh, definitely optimism. Like I'm a person that thinks from a glass half full perspective. So again, I know we talk a lot about the pandemic and what's happened in the year, the attacks, but it's really, you know, spearheaded a lot of innovation. It's really accelerated a lot of things that we wanted to do and probably should have done. And I just see so many more opportunities to Eric's point earlier, like people's mindset um, is is in that space of, you know, being innovative and, and driving forward. And so I think if we can continue that momentum, I think our strategies are going to look different now, right, as a result. Um, and so I'm definitely optimistic about what's to come. I mean, in the cyber world, every day is a new day, right? Um, but I'm hopeful that this year has shown us that we can be resilient and we can, um, as long as we partner together, we can, you know, conquer the world and be cyber wonder warriors um, as we look into the future. I we love sure that. We sure need them. We sure need them. Yes. Yeah. All day long. Well, that was a perfect ending. I, I, I don't, I'm scared to say anything else. I'm going to ruin it because she has <laughs> such a great, great message. I mean, Lalisha, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been so wonderful speaking with you. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, Rachel. Eric, this was so much fun. It's a great way to end the work week. So um, thank you very much and look forward to the future episodes here. Fantastic. Awesome. And Good luck in all you do. Absolutely. Thank you. Have a, have a great weekend. And to all of our, our listeners, uh, as always, please be sure to subscribe. Smash that subscription Give us button. feedback. 
Give us feedback to Eric. Eric gave you his email address earlier. Um, and you can get a new episode every week right to your email inbox. And we're always on the hunt for, for new ideas of things that you want to hear. So um, be sure to, to give us a jingle. Until next time, take care. Thanks for joining us on the To The Point Cybersecurity Podcast, brought to you by Forcepoint. For more information and show notes from today's episode, please visit www.forcepoint.com slash govpodcast. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts.